Welcome to the Manchester Movie Morgue Podcast. Each week, we dissect a movie to decide whether it belongs in the morgue or escapes to freedom. Manchester's answer to Norman Ebert and Kermode. Over to your hosts, Lee, Rob, and Carl. Sylvester Stallone, over the top. Before we started this, we were just talking about how we came to choose it, and we don't actually can really remember. I think we were just like riffing around films, weren't we? And we ended up on this one because it's it's one which for me has a massive nostalgic pleasure. And I I watched this film, admittedly, from beginning to end with like rose tinted spectacles all the way through. <laughs> and I, I know it's <laughs> it's completely messed up and flawed, and I know that the soundtrack is cheesy as hell, but I just love this film. And I will defend it, and I'll try and keep it out of the morgue. So. Rob, was this a film that you would? So presumably, you saw this on on VHS uh, quite a lot back I in did. the day. Was yeah. this a, a rental in your house? Yeah, because um, my family, my dad was always into the Rockies, and it's like uh, it's like Rocky Light, isn't it? It's like the Pepsi Challenge. Like you're going for a Rocky, but instead of Rocky, you get you get arm wrestling. And it's, <laughs> and yeah, and then but you do get that you, you get this sentimental schmaltzy drama in the middle, which is quite nice. And and the soundtrack is memorable, even if it is cheesy and a bit dated. So, was this film the beginning of the turning the baseball cap back to front? Was that what started that trend? <laughs> the switch. I can actually remember doing doing the switch as a kid. I can do it. I definitely remember people doing the over-the-top technique as well when you, when you used to arm wrestle people at school. People used to do that re-grip. I definitely remember that going on. The thing is, I've got a really weird-shaped head, so if I wear a hat, this look weird. And uh, and then if I do the put the hat backwards, it just falls off my weird-shaped head. So I'm there with never... you, Rob. I'm I'm not a hat wearer. I am not a yeah. hat wearer at all. It just looks it just looks odd on my strange strangely shaped uh, bonds. Um, but it's funny you said that. Yeah, lots of children at school would do the cap turn around thing, which mm. <clears throat> makes me think that over the top must have been a good a good selling a rental title on when it was on rent. Because we were talking yeah. before about the the box office for this film. Now, cinema, this film. Although it made it made some money, they, they this must have obviously been a disappointing performance box office wise. Oh yeah. So in in many ways, it's like a typical Canon film where yeah. it would make most of its money or you know a good chunk of its money on on the home video market, um, which was true for a lot of their titles. But I, um, I guess is they had they had higher ambitions for this one in, in terms of recruiting Stallone to do it and paying a lot of money. I have got a couple of different titles. It was known in Mexico as Halcon, which uh, is the literal translation of uh, Hawk. And then in Brazil, <laughs> it's translate to... <laughs> then in Brazil, it translates to Hawk, the champion of champions. Oh, I like that. That's good. That sounds like and a bad nice title. computer game, yeah. And in Portuguese, it, it translates to The Wrestler. So The Wrestler? The Wrestler, indeed, isn't it? Mickey Hawk, take note. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, can we start? Can we mention the uh, the poster? Because when you <laughs> when you're a kid and you see that poster, I mean, that is. I don't know if you've got a picture of it now. I've got a picture of it now, and he's like, it's like a major, like you know, it's like Big Trouble in Little China type poster, isn't it? It's like massive. I love the uh, artwork. Yeah, yeah, massive Stallone. He's got wrapping on his arm, and his arms look huge. And he's got like there seems to be like wings. Oh no, it's a hawk flying behind. It's the, him. Ho- it's the, ho- it's the hood. Uh, yeah, the hood ornament, isn't it? The hawk. Yeah. 
Yeah. He gives that Hudderman a jolly good polishing at the start of this film. Oh, I don't, yeah. You know, he's, he's sprucing up the truck and grooming himself, and uh, he gives that hawk, that hawk a damn good buffing. Good polish. Uh, yeah, it's also, I mean, he's, he's in love with his, his own name so much, isn't he? It's like, you know, he's, he's got, he, he drives around in a truck called uh, Hawk Haulage, and he's got a hawk on the front. And uh, <laughs> although it's and, a good uh, name, not not everyone knows what it is because we were talking about uh, earlier. Sometimes he's hawk, and in many scenes he's referred to as hawks. So yeah, like, Howard yeah. hawks. But um, so I don't know what's going on with that. Um, I have a theory. There's also can we mention the little in joke they had as well? His son is called Mike Hawks, isn't it? Oh, Mike yeah. Hawks. Mike. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my cock. <laughs> there you go. We might as well say it in our man cocks and my cock. So, like, yeah, this, they, they, they just. Oh, I see. Oh, I've got it. Okay. Did you not? Did you not spit out? No. So, like, it's like it was like already they had like a little bit of tongue in cheek, almost like things going against it. I mean, what was going for is that you know whether you like it or not, is that Stallone is charismatic. He's Mister Eighties, isn't he? You know, you either were Stallone or Schwarzenegger. And, I, I love both of the matches, so I wasn't really that biased. But uh, he's like Stallone, the Stallone has in his in his kind of armory. He's 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 generally a good actor. You know, he's if you, yeah. if you look at the films he started in, he's his early career, especially he was he was like kind of maybe not quite you know in Pacino's league, but he was kind of like in that in that kind of bracket. You know, he's making like rough and ready films with um, mm-hmm. you know interesting characters, and he, and he had to act. He had to act in those. Um, he carries that through. Didn't he do a soft porn? I think he did a soft porn, didn't it? It's like there's some foot. There's some. They used to show it on their like late night show. <laughs> there's one where it's like dancing in some showers or something. It's like dance or something. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. they used to show clips of it on the Word, which is a British oh, yeah. um, TV show of uh, the 1990s. It was either that or Euro Trash. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah Euro Trash maybe. Um, I forget. I I can't remember the name of it. I'm sure an IMDb check will um, will bring that one up. But yeah, I think that was re-released as well after he become famous and possibly yeah, retitled. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. Now. The Hawk. The Hawk. <laughs> I always thought it was like Stallone versus Schwarzenegger, but I always think he's a bit of a better actor really than Schwarzenegger. I think. I think so. Schwarzenegger does what he can do, but Stallone definitely has. The acting chops, and that's what carries him through films like, you know, later he did Copland, earlier in his career, the films like Rocky, Rocky One and Two. Yeah, even even the, the later films like Balboa, you know, in the Rocky franchise. In Balboa, there's a lot of, you know, he has to go through a lot. He's dealing with, um, you know, he's got cancer in the film, and he's like, you know, he's fighting that, and those scenes are quite really well done. Then you can't mm. pull that off by just being a a slurry macho actor. His, his voice is distinctive as well. I mean, his voice his voice carries carries a lot of this film, doesn't it? And he has to do that. Uh, I was saying to the Lee earlier, he does that that sentimental voice a lot, which like Jason Statham a lot of uh, action stars do when they're trying to be show emotions. He just talks a bit quieter. He goes like, a, "Hey, Michael, you know, I'm your father. I love you, Millie." And then and then he, and then he goes back to being a. Uh, it's like the switch. He throws the switch, and then he has to go about to toughen him up. The plot is that uh, Lincoln Hawk is a trucker, and you see that right away at the beginning. Uh, also, it's cut with his son, who he's estranged from. He's not seen his son for 10 years. He's in a military academy. He's a spoiled mm. brat. He's a rich kid. His estranged wife, who the boy's been brought up by, is in a hospital. She's very ill. Is it ever said what she's, um, what she's ill with? Does yeah, it ever say? it's not said. I yeah. think it's an unnamed illness, isn't it? 
don't think they talk there's about lots it. Of, <laughs> there's lots of unsaid things, like why he disappeared for 10 years. It will come up a lot, and he gets confronted on this lot. But but the thing is that Lincoln, it's been decided by the, the mother, is almost like a dying wish, that she wants the father and son to reunite, and she wants him to pick him up, pick the boy up from the academy, and drive him back across back home and it's going to be like a three-day drive so all those ill feelings between father and son will clear up and uh, it will all end up rosy but the problem is in the film and he's he's like the uh you've got a father-in-law character and everything uh, played uh, robert robert legia or logia he's like mr 80s actor um, yeah, we um, he's in a lot of films. We, we we weren't sure about the pronunciation of his name. I think it might be Robert Loggia, Loggia if it's um, Loggia, Italian. Yeah. I, I, maybe it's Robert Loggia, pronounced like that. Yeah. I don't, mm, he's in loads of movies. All over, yeah. all over the place. Yeah, you're going to remember him as the uh, the cuddly uh, toy shop owner in a uh, big who does the famous piano sequence with Tom Hanks. That's uh, for most people. So, and that's what was stuck in my head most of the time. But in this film, he just plays one track, doesn't he? He's just angry. He thinks Lincoln Hawk, who's Stallone's character, is a loser and a bum, and he doesn't want him anywhere near his grandson. Yeah. We, we don't know what this guy does. We're not sure what this guy does to have... Because he's very wealthy, isn't he? He kind of lives in mansions. He's able to get like the, um, the top suites in these hotels and fly by jet. We're not, we're not sure exactly what it is he does, if it's kind of legitimate yeah. or, or maybe dodgy. We do know he runs a trucking company, doesn't he? Because we're skipping to the end there where he, there is like a truck with his name on. Uh, there's like Cutler, a haulage or whatever it is. So I think he does run a oh, That's a true, yeah. What they're, what they're transporting in those trucks, I don't know. Because I know I used to work with somebody whose uh, family had a, tr- a trucking company and they were, they were comfortable, but they weren't that well off that they had a Bel Air property with uh, with a security detail and all that kind of the trap some security oh. goons and things like that. So yeah, I don't know what it was. What is this guy running? What is this guy running in these trucks? Um, it's Frey Bentos. It's Frey Bentos pies. Other pies are available. <laughs> Frey Bentos across the state line, and that's why I can is, afford. Them. Are they banned? Are they banned in certain states of America? Is that is that what's going on? They're kind of you know like in smoking <laughs> bandit where they have to transport the beer to you know different states where it's outlawed. Uh, perhaps this is Frey Bentos. Ray Bentos pie is being delivered to uh, Arkansas or, or something, uh, and that's where the real money is. In, uh, in we the have South to clear up for people. As, clear up for people as well. If, if you're going to go into this film and think you're going to get beginning to end action like a canon film, you're not going to get that. It is. It is a. It basically at the heart of the film. And even Stallone, I watched interviews of him selling it. He says it's you know it's a film with a lot of heart. The heart of the film is a melodrama between a, a father and son. Is it? It's about a father trying to get his son to forgive him for the mistakes he made in yeah. the past. The mistakes we're never going to find out because the script writers can't be bothered to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's about a boy who's, um, who's been very pampered and spoiled and he's not really seen other sides of the tracks. And Stallone, boy, the Stallone showing the other side of the tracks in this film. He shows him some... He treats... He, actually, he's a father. He's the most negligent father I've ever seen in my life. And I've met a few. <laughs> it's, it's day one. He, he, pick, he picks the boy up from the academy, and he's not, he's not seen the boy, has he? Don't forget, he's actually late for the for the kids' graduation, so he, he starts off on a bad foot, doesn't he? He's kind of shows yeah. up after the graduation. He's not as late as a granddad, crucially, which allows um, which allows Hawk the time to um, actually go and speak to his son and take him away uh, before the granddad's goons get there to uh, to collect him. Everyone's late for this poor kid. I know, they don't give a crap. It's like a really important day. It's his graduation and nobody shows up. 
Mothers, mothers in hospital, yeah. you know, dying. Mother's in hospital dying, negligent father turns up late, father-in-law, granddad, who's supposed to have raised him like a son, can't even be asked to turn up. <laughs> and, and, and there's no wonder this kid is, the kid's nose is already out of joint when uh, Stallone comes, wand- well, Hawk, sorry, comes wandering into the colonel's office to, to meet with his son. Yeah, and it, go, it doesn't go very well, does it, when they meet? The kid's, no. uh, yeah. the kid's got an attitude. No, it says something like, can you, do you think you can repair... 12, 12 years worth of uh, relationship in three days. It's almost like kind of a tagline for the film. Yeah, he says, uh, why have we got to travel in this disgusting truck? Why don't we fly? So I think his granddad has a private jet. He's used yeah. to flying everywhere, isn't he? Yes. In fact, granddad used the jet later on in the film, doesn't he, to, to, try to, to yeah. beat him to beat him to Vegas. The reason why Hawk is late for the graduation is that we see him in a truck stop just washing himself, doesn't he, like he's by the side oh, of the road, God, yeah. like some panhandler. He's just, he's just cleaning his teeth, spitting in the street, rubbing a cloth over his, uh, his muscly, sweaty top. And let's talk about the sweat. I mean, we're going to mention the sweat a lot, but the sweat in this film is dripping off the screen, isn't it? <laughs> it was sponsored by Castrol, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I felt filthy after this. I had to have a wash. <laughs> this film has a smell of B.O. and Brute, doesn't it? It's definitely got that 80s... Almost it really it. does. I, I felt like I needed a wash after watching this film. Um, <laughs> and some, you know, like a, a, couple of, a couple of mints, some extra yeah. It's Not until the first stop with his son that the sweat is, starts being applied, doesn't it? Because he's actually not that sweaty at the beginning, but then it's the first, they've been on a little truck drive, you know, and they're not getting on well. And he, there's a bit where he pulls over at the side of the road and because his son pretends to be sick. His son, his son just like, for a clever boy, he just runs across a, a, a full freeway, doesn't it? Causing multiple cars yeah. to pile up. That's right. And this, I, I wonder if this particular sequence was like a later rewrite because I think mm. um, I was reading something about the original screenwriter, David Engelback, was his, is his mm. name. And he said that he, he became really disillusioned with what they were doing with his uh, script because they started to feel the need to add these kind of big action set pieces. And I wonder if this was the kind of thing, because you're right, it's totally out of character, isn't it, for him to just, yeah. you know, he's not three or four years old. He's, seen, he's presented as like a sensible young 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 man. And uh, all of a sudden he runs across the motorway. Like a, a complete stranger has, has grabbed him or something, or his life's in danger to, to run out of the truck like that. Uh, yeah. It was a bit out of character. I wonder if this was an addition that they maybe thought about later on because they need some action. Yeah, we have a scene where he just runs across a motorway for no uh, for no good reason. Get loads of big vehicles involved. So yeah, I mean he's lucky there. He's lucky. He doesn't get he doesn't get himself run over. That's a weird um, film logic, isn't it? You know, often you see films and it's like a film logic. Like the fact is that this guy, this big muscly trucker, is running after a well dressed boy in a military suit, and then he's like manhandling him. He rips his uh, jacket arm off and then pins him against a tree. I mean, that's what you would see if you were driving along the motorway. Um, and nobody reacts, do they? they just, uh... I mean, he's literally had custody of him for five minutes and he's already like nearly dead on the motorway. You know, it's, it's not going well, is it? It's just terrible parenting. This is, um, you know, no, no wonder he's not been there for several years. He's been kept off the scene, hasn't he? There's, uh, <laughs> I think that's what's happened. He's a liability. Hawk tries to explain to him that he's been writing to him for years, but um, Michael's like, I never got the letters. So later we'll find out more about that. But. I wonder what there uh, with that plot <laughs> development <laughs> and this film's not very subtle either um earlier on we were talking about 
And when Stallone turns up at the military academy, he's literally wearing a shirt with a with a blue collar, you know. So, and this is just purely so that all the all the extras can kind of, that he's walking past can kind of look at him disapprovingly, and say like, "Well, what's he doing here?" Yeah, can we mention what's the thing with the braces as well? Well, we call them braces in England. If you listen to America, it's just suspenders isn't it it's a weird uh, it's an 80s fashion choice which uh hawk adopts all the way through the film doesn't he? even when he's arm wrestling he he wears braces doesn't it and white vest <laughs> the white vest and braces seems to be the ensemble he goes not many sleeves in this movie are there really there's a lot of uh a lot of tank tops yeah <laughs> to make up for his first his first negligent parents and he takes into a a diner to have some food, doesn't it? Which is full of rednecks and yeah. um, rednecks boozing, swearing, and womanizing, and he thinks that'd be a good choice. There's not many women in there, but apart from the apart from the lady behind the counter, it is a sausage fest. There's there's no there are no <laughs> ladies in there at all. And we're talking before about the smell the smell of this film. <laughs> Why is everybody so sweaty? Like what, what? What's going on in the toilets? Is they they coming out with white noses and and sweat all over them? I don't understand. Yeah, there's definitely yeah, something going on. Cru- in there. It's a bit cruising, isn't it? As well, this this bar. There's lots of certain stereotypes of blue oyster type things in this bar. And he um he's he, as soon as he walks in, loads all the other men know him, don't they? There's lots of like people patting him on yeah. the back and going, "Hey, hawk, hawks, hawk, hawks." <laughs> Yeah, he's really famous, and he's famous because because a guy approaches him as he's sat down with his son to offer him for his smasher approaches him to offer. This guy is not; he's not an actor. This guy who approaches him, he's not an actor. He's clearly, (laughs) he's clearly not an actor, but he's most probably a professional wrestler. I thought he was Doug the Bounty Hunter, to be honest. Doug the Bounty Hunter. Yes, yeah, he's got that look. He's got the look. The eighties perm. His son's in this really unsafe environment, you know, completely out of his comfort zone. And this smasher comes up to him and says, "You want to have an arm wrestle?" And he just dumps his son, does he? He just he just walks off to go for his arm wrestle. Yeah. Because he doesn't his explain where he's friend. going or anything. He just says, "Wait here, I'll be back." And it's at that point that his son gets approached by our main nemesis in the film, sweaty, sweaty, sweaty big, bull. sweaty burly, sweaty bull, <laughs> sweaty bull bollocks. <laughs> he's basically a giant guy a giant guy with a little beard and a big bald shiny head who says to his uh, he starts chatting to the kid doesn't it? it's quite uncomfortable actually in, uh, watching it with 21st century eyes is it <laughs> he hits on his son it's the strangest thing I've ever seen in any film he, he actually hits on his son because his son kind of says something like uh, oh my, my dad's just in there and the son still doesn't know what, what dad's doing he says oh my dad's in there and Bull turns around and kind of looks at him, eyes him up and down, and goes, "Ah, too bad." Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. oh, I could, I could whisk you away from here in my truck. And uh, yeah, hits on his son. So this is this is the villain. Setting, not the villain. This is the setting up the main opponent for the end of the film, I suppose. He's nemesis. Yeah. 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 But this uh, going back to what you mentioned earlier, that basically. He's quite famous in this bar, isn't he, Lincoln? You know, he's quite famous. Uh, and loads of people patting him on the back. A guy we've never even heard of called Smasher walks up to him, offers him an arm wrestle, says, I hear you're one of the best. So he's known in the arm wrestling circuits and in trucker, trucker gay trucking circuits. <laughs> <laughs> they take him to... Um, he goes off to this little table to have this big arm wrestle match. And this is where we get introduced to... Um, 
his uh, does he do the baseball cap? Does he do the switch for the first time in this one, or does he not? He doesn't need a switch on this guy, does he? I it's think too it easy. This one's too easy. easy. It's over the yeah, he, sure, yeah. He, in this one, I don't think he does. I think he just he does do the over the top. He, he does so the over top move, which the film is, is the um you kind of loosen your fingers and then you get your fingers over the top of the hand and then you uh you have the advantage and then you you bring your man down uh, in arm wrestling terms, not in gay cruising terms. <laughs> so yeah, he, he, he's arm wrestling smashing. It looks like he's going to lose and then he does the finger and then he, uh, he fingers him and, and he beats him. <laughs> I missed that scene. Bull comes up to him and says, double or nothing, Hawk. And uh, Hawk's like, let's wait till Vegas. Bull's like, too bad your old man's yellow. You got lucky again, huh, Hawks? How you doing, Bull? Better than you. Right now, double or nothing, what do you say? Let's just wait for Vegas. Come on, let's do it now. I feel like kicking some ass. Let's wait till Vegas, okay? You ain't got a prayer in Vegas. We'll see. <laughs> Too bad your old man's yellow, kid. He's waiting for the payday, isn't he? Yeah, he's all about yes. the money. It's like... <laughs> all he wants is a truck. He says. He says at the end. He says, "All he wants is a truck." So that's my Stallone impression. This guy is like everyone knows now, and he's like the hot thing in arm wrestling. He's like, he's only twenty to one later on in the film, isn't it? And the uh, the betting odds on him in the uh, in the tournament, the uh, over the top arm wrestling tournament, <laughs> which is conveniently named after the film. But yes, um, well, he goes back to his kid, doesn't he? He goes back to his kid, and he's, got his he's like, "Oh yeah, you're still here. You're still here. Sorry, I was off. I was off." Getting greased up with this uh, this bustly guy over there looks like um, Diamond Dallas Page. He gets back and they get back in the truck, and we've got the really cheesy Kenny Loggins music. Yeah, Loggins did one track, didn't he? But actually, the the the, um, the person credited with music for this entire film is Giorgio Moroder, and the um, uh, yeah, the semi final, doesn't he? A bit a bit of a score for the semi final, I think later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kenny Loggins track, which is. Uh... Meet me halfway. It it gets played a lot, does it? It a lot, two or three um, times. Yeah, I think we see it quite early at this point. There's yeah. a there's an emotional piano version of it where it's just a gentle little tinkling, and whenever there's a, a feel a feeling bit, like yeah, they play it a little bit, don't they? Uh, Lockins was the king of the '80s soundtrack, though, wasn't he? Really? Yeah, he was the go-to guy, no question. <laughs> what did he do? He did Top Gun, uh, wasn't it? Top Gun, I think. Uh, Caddyshack, Caddyshack with "I'm All Right." That was one. Of, that was him. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did Caddyshack too as well. The yeah, Footloose. It was two or three, wasn't it? Yeah, big, big films that he did. Yeah, I don't know if you've fortune because they used this song about two or three times. So. I don't know if you've ever seen Kenny Loggins as well. It, at the time, he looked like Chuck Norris. If Chuck Norris had basically lost all. <laughs> Machismal and <laughs> muscle wastage. <laughs> what so, do you think yeah. IT professionals do? I wonder if Loggins ever kind of. <laughs> I wonder if he's ever worked at you know somewhere where he's required to kind of like access emails or something. And he and must then, be the butt of so many jokes. When he when he ran, when he rings up IT help, they say, "Did Kenny log in?" <laughs> 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 Kenny, who? <laughs> so, he's just won his first arm wrestling. He's introduced his son to the world of arm wrestling, and he won a thousand dollars for that fight with Smasher, didn't he? So yeah, uh, and then he has to. This is where they keep on cutting to. He has to ring 
the the wife, doesn't he? He has to keep on calling the estranged yeah, wife. Yeah, and, and she has a chat with her son. We get another uh, opportunity for um, us to find out why he left. But again, no explanation again. No. The reasons why he left in the first place. No. He, he, he does tweet saying it was the biggest mistake he made. And the kid confronts him and says that my granddad said you were you left because you were running drugs. And he, uh, he doesn't deny it, does he? Uh, he just said, I made a mistake. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's I wonder, though, yeah. if, if perhaps Hawk was running drugs, but perhaps the granddad had asked him to do it. And I wonder if this was part of the conflict in the original, maybe one of the original drafts, where he'd, he'd asked Hawk to run the drugs and he kind of used him as some kind of scapegoat at the end and said, oh, he's the, you know, he's the one running the drugs. My company's clean. I like that idea, maybe. yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I a film, Carl. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you. I do try. No, I think he was running. He was running endangered birds. He was running hawks <laughs> across the state line. Birds' eggs. Hawks' Lincoln eggs. Hawk, Lincoln Hawks, hawks, haulage. And uh, it was literal. <laughs> he didn't have a permit and he went down. He was it. hawking hawks. <laughs> No, I think Michael's expecting a really plush hotel for the night and oh, yeah. he gets told that he's going to have to sleep in the truck. Now, it's not even like a, a truck that's designed for sleeping in. They're just going to sit upright in a truck. That's, that's a douchebag. He's, he's, not even got, he's not even got a pillow. He's not even got a oh, pillow no. for him. <laughs> he's he's just like, oh, no, yeah, I was my shoulder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he says to his estranged son, he says, like, you can use my shoulder in the night. I mean... Uh, the kid hates him. The kid doesn't trust him, and he's offering his sweaty, greasy shoulder, isn't he? But as a pillow. Can you imagine? I mean, he's he, he didn't even go for a shower, you know, before the um, before collecting from the uh, the military academy. He's not even showered. Yeah. You know, he's just he's had what what we call a gentleman's wash. You know, he's just he just yeah. found a bowl of water somewhere, and he's he's just had a bit of a splash around you know and he, he must be he must be stinky there's no question unless he's unless he's got himself covered in lee as you said earlier like you know plenty of brute because the brute doesn't have to get some uh, promotion in this film that's what he's that's what he seems to be oh. lugging around if the uh, side of the truck is anything to go by that's what he's logging around He's logging around the yeah. Fabergé, Fabergé It got yeah. criticised for all the product placements, didn't it? There's a Duracell. There's got there's about sixteen there different products. Oh, yeah. yeah, all there those kinds of sports later. brands on t-shirts later on. There was a, a there's a sequence later in the film during the tournament where they actually place an Alka-Seltzer in a glass, and you see the packet. You actually watch the whole Alka-Seltzer being stirred, and then the, you actually watch it being drank. I mean, it's like it's the most. It literally does. The, do you remember it was the plink plink fizz? It literally does that. Yeah. It shows you putting like two two of the tablets in. They should have had them going. Ah, Alka Seltzer, <laughs> available at all good chemists. Just, <laughs> just have it more in your face, please. But he just drinks yeah. some engine oil, hasn't he? So I can't blame him to be honest. Yeah. Putting the Alka Seltzers. Yeah. I mean, we we know a little bit about the Canon Group, and probably people who were listening to this podcast. Hi guys. Um, People will, will probably know who who the Canon Group are and what their history is. Um, it would it was no surprise at all that they would have taken any and all advertising um, possibilities and you know taken the money and literally just shoved them in the film right under your nose. They they wouldn't have cared not not one bit. And we we have to mention that the fact that Stallone took twelve million for this film on a twenty foot was it a twenty five million budget? So hang on. He, he he got twelve million from Canon, but I think the, the idea was 
it wasn't. I think they announced that they were paying twelve million for a movie, but what actually happened was they they split the twelve million between Cobra and Over the Top. So effectively, he was getting you know like oh, six okay. million per movie, but it was still it was still crazy, crazy money for those uh, for those times for for a start to be getting paid oh, that kind of amount. There was even there was even a Hawk action figure. Was well. there? Interesting. Yeah, I would love to have one of them. I'd I bet they're. Keep an eye out for them. Yeah, eBay. Goodness me, I bet they're probably quite rare because they'll be the kind of thing that probably no one bought because the film didn't hit. You sweat when you fill in the water. Does he? <laughs> 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 if you have a baseball cap, you turn around on his head. I bet he does. His arm just curls and jerks around all the time. Yeah, There's certainly plenty <laughs> of jerking. And I was going to say after the after the scene where um, Deadbeat Dad Stallone he he makes his son you know sleep in the truck without a pillow uh, or any kind of blanket really it doesn't even give him a jacket there's they wake up fine in the morning and there's a bit of a this has got to be like you know they must have been thinking right we need what we need here is a bit of a training montage so yeah. when they get up in the morning they're both like doing press ups and they're, oh, they're Stallone's doing some more hawk polishing. And you know, there's a bit of a kind of training montage here, like first thing in the morning. So all of a sudden, they've they've kind of decided that they they've they've put the differences aside and they're they're training together, they're working out together. But as a prime athlete, it's not the best exercise, is it? It literally does a few. Yeah. He pushes on his bonnet a bit. He polishes his hawk. He pulls his weird chain mechanism in his truck. And he, uh... we've got to, we've got to mention the appearance of the the weight chain mechanism because yeah. I, I I thought this just appeared. Like midway through the film, and he's truck from nowhere. But upon closer inspection, it appears that this piece of equipment was in the driver's cab all along. Right, it's just slightly cropped out. How does out. he change gears if he's if he's <laughs> if he's pulling this weight all the time? How is he changing gears and stuff? I doubt that would uh, that would probably get you six points today. I think, wouldn't it? If you were yeah, touching that, only on only on long stretches of road, which I think America might have a few. But um, not when he's pulling it, he looks like. He looks a bit like this, you know, he's rocking back and forth, isn't he? He's showing his son how to, like, you have to put your whole body into it. So he's, his eyes are not on the road, is it? He? He's, 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 again, I mean, this is like parenting 101 again. He's like, he, so remember the first thing he did was he was late for graduation. Then he took his son to a sleazy bar and dumped him. Now he's made his son, uh, son sleep in a, uh, a verge uh, just at the side of a road overnight. Uh, and then... Um, what does he do next? Oh, that's it. He, he thinks he'll teach his son a life lesson. So he takes- Michael calls him thick, doesn't he? He says, oh, you you, you don't read you. you. You've got a mental age of 15. And, uh, yeah. and then Hawk says, oh, if, if, if you think I'm thick, then come and try and drive this truck uh, on a yeah. 80,000 80, pound truck on a main road. You know, it's yeah. not even a car pad. This is, um, yeah, that's it. yeah, he just lets his son drive a truck, a, a complete killing machine. He lets him drive on an open road. And, and his son's driving terribly, and Hawk thinks it's really yeah. funny. Yeah. Was there a reference to the, the the son having, you know, had like some kind of driving training at military yeah. academy or something? So, uh, I've, I've driven a June buggy daddy or something, I think he said. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was it. It's a bit different, isn't it, I suppose? It also echoes. Carl sent us uh, Lee and I in the early in the week uh, original idea from the script, right, of uh, the backstory of Lincoln Hawk, that he was supposed to be more than a trucker, was it? He's supposed to be quite academic, and he reads books, and, yeah. and he's he's wider than his mind, and he's a lot more than just what he seems. And it's instead of going with that, they've 
completely changed it, haven't they? They just make a joke that he, he doesn't have any books in the truck, does he? He has nothing. All he, and what he does have, which is really over the top, you know, over the top again, is that he's got photos all over his truck of Michael at different ages. How come he's got fo- like up to date photos of Michael and like Michael's not received a letter? So like you know, Hawk's sending these letters, he's getting photos back, but no feedback. Wouldn't you ask a question in ten years? Or- how come I keep, I keep on asking Michael these questions and he never responds? What's going on? Yeah, it's really weird. He must really hate me. He's not meeting me halfway. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he, he's already in, it's going really well, this father-son relationship. So he decides to um, test his son. He takes his son to a, another divey diner and he decides to get his son to take on an arm wrestling contest with the local uh, hooligan, doesn't it? There's these teenagers, these 80s teenagers yeah. playing, yes. playing aggressive pinball. This kid, this kid that looks about five years older than him, who's got like little biceps and stuff, I think the guy would have, in, in real life, would have broken this kid's arm, I think. He's got a sweet mullet as well. Yeah. Well, it is in place. And at this point, um, um, Hawk has not taught his son any arm wrestling. He's done a bit of training in the, you know, jumping around and polishing a hawk in the air. Uh, he's not taught him any arm wrestling, has he? And We're going to create a new euphemism today, aren't we, with polishing the hawk? <laughs> he says to his son, he offers a it's best about that of age, three. isn't he? Yeah, it's the best of three arm wrestle with this kid. And he says to him that, I know my son's going to win. He's the toughest arm wrestle ever. And the son loses the first round because obviously he doesn't know how to arm wrestle. He's, he's devastated, isn't he? All you wanted to do was embarrass me. Well, you did it, okay? Grandfather always said you were a loser. Now you're trying to make me one, and I hate you for it. Mike, I don't care what your grandfather thinks about me, okay? All I care about is you. Now, you lost back there because you beat yourself. You let yourself get beat. I know you can do it. You're a special kid. You're my boy. Do you understand? But you're also a spoiled, rich brat who's always had everything done for him. Now it's time to do it for yourself, Mike, and you can do it. Because I'm telling you, the world meets nobody halfway. Do you understand what that means? If you want it, Mike, you gotta take it. Do you hear me? You gotta take it. He runs out of the dining Yeah, he's mentally yeah. broken. <laughs> and this is when um, Stallone gets to do his uh, famous life speech, which appears in the film a lot. He gets to quote the song as well. He says, life doesn't meet you halfway. You've got to take it. You've got to go out there and take it. You've got to take it. You've got to take it. More whispery sly, isn't it? He does. He goes, life doesn't meet you halfway. And then, and then, and then he... <laughs> <laughs> and he, say, he says to him, he says to him, it's a really bad mantra as well. He says, basically, you just have to take what you want, which is not true in life, because yeah. if you do take what you want, you go to prison. And then also, if you, oh, you get... He goes to prison later on. He does. He's been following his own advice. Yeah. So he tells his son, take what you want, and life doesn't meet you halfway, and you've had it too easy. So his son goes back in with this newfound wisdom, and his son wins the next two fights. And his son knows the over-the-top technique. He does the loosing fingers and brings the kid down, and he wins, and he's like... Uh, and they're really on top of the world. And then again, they, win, uh, they ring the uh, ex-wife, don't they, at that point, the mother. Yeah. The mother who's, who's really sick. From that point, Mike is best bud of his dad, isn't it? All it took was a truck lesson and one wrestling match, and he's just in love with his dad now, isn't he? This scene, there's something else happened. So after after Michael's been triumphant in the in the arm wrestling contest, all of a sudden from nowhere, again, uh, is, is Stallone indoors and the boys outside? He lets him go out yeah. of the restaurant. Yeah, and all of a sudden these two goons rock up 
They they turn up and um, they ki- they attempt to kidnap Michael. Yeah. Um, so here we're, the scene is set for another kind of action scene, big action scene with car chase, and it's over in it's over in two, uh, you know just a few minutes. I don't know much about trucks, but I don't think you're going to catch a pickup truck in a full rig. Only if the Hawk's driving it. If the Hawk's driving it, he's, you know he's he's, he's going to have a chance, but. Uh, Generally speaking, I think you're right. Kids bundled into the back of a pickup, and then the hawk chases down this little pickup with his big rig, and he cuts off the tr- uh, the pickup, doesn't he? Uh, and the, the the goons run away and leave the kid behind, and and then hawk shouts after them, uh, "He's staying with me. He's not going anywhere." And then uh, so we know that, and then he tells, uh, and the kid says, "Who were they?" And he he says, "Ashy far, Ashy grandfather." So we know a bit more about the grandfather. The grandfather's a little bit. Dodgy, is it? He's a bit. He's, he's always got some shady contacts. He would, yeah. he would pull off a job yeah. like that, definitely. Can we mention the fact is that the mum's blatantly dying and nobody's in a rush to get to her? Well, this is the thing. Do, does everyone know? Do, does everyone know that she's dying and we know she's ill? Well, they keep on saying she sounds really weak. Like the, the other, after that last call, they both agree that she sounds weak. She sounds really weak. She sounds really faint. And then they're not in a rush, are they? Like, let's... no. This is the next scene, isn't it? He's late again to the hospital. Unfortunately, they're they're too late to get there. Yeah. He's had, she's had gone in for an operation, and unfortunately, she's died. And uh, we get some uh, sly emotional act- acting, which was uh, a little bit tortured. There's another piano moment of Meet Me Halfway comes in because uh, she's died. <laughs> so Kenny Loggins starts playing in the background again. <laughs> I mean, uh, and after this scene, Michael runs actually runs away again from. But he, this time, instead of running across uh, six lanes of a motorway to escape, he just he just flags a taxi, which seems a bit more yeah. in line with his character, I think. And you know, he, he disappears yeah. at that point. The next scene, weirdly, is at the funeral. Uh, the, Michael's with Granddad, but Hawk does turn up to the funeral to just lay some flowers down, and he, I think he disappears again. I remember that what he said in the previous scenes. He said to he said to his son that he'd never leave him again. He made a mistake. He'd never walk away. And the moment the mum dies, he just buckers off, doesn't he? He has time yeah. to himself. He packs his truck up and stays at the sunset. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, because the, the next scene is another kind of big action set piece where um, Hawk turns up at, you know, the granddad's uh, father-in-law's uh, house, mansion, trying to get in. Of course, the, the guy in the door says, no way, you're not coming in. And so he he backs up in his, uh, in, his in his in his truck and uh, and smashes through the gates and knocks over about seventeen statues and trashes the garden and um, actually manages to put a big hole in the front of the house with the truck. So it's like a big action set piece that they've just they just bolted in from from nowhere. It's completely uh, completely. I mean, uh, we keep using this phrase. It's completely over the top. It is, but it's, it's also the scene. That scene is so like something out of the A team, isn't it? It's like literally, it, it, they even do it in slow motion, don't they? Like things popping, like the, the gates, these big iron gates just just bend easily and disappear, and then <laughs> and then all these statues, like, all these statues start flying, and then the front of the house completely caves in, and then he gets out and tramples across the crushed door on the floor. And it, yeah. you expect at that point. <laughs> and in terms of character, character motivation, I wonder. I wonder what Hawk was thinking at this point. Like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just drive the rig completely through Granddad's front garden and mansion and house and front door, 
and uh, I'll just I'll just take Michael after that, and I'll and I'll get away. Again, this there seems to be a massive lapse of any kind of um, like logic here in terms yeah. of the script writing. Again, it's like it's put an action scene in because you know it's light on action, so we'll just throw something here that doesn't really make any sense, and it's kind of it's a it's kind of laughable as well. I think you know, as you said, it's kind of comparable to the the A team, which was probably on around yeah. the same time. It's perfectly suitable for that, but for for a kind of charged, reasonably charged drama like this, you, you you probably wouldn't have thrown a scene like this in. It's a bit of a bit of a mismatch. Uh, in okay, yeah, and, has, and then he has the ignominy, doesn't he? If, uh, it's very quick. This isn't. He gets arrested almost instantly. The police are just there, like milliseconds mm-hmm. later, and he gets pinned to the floor. And as his face is being crushed on the floor, you know, he looks up at his son, and his son his son stares down and goes, "Dad," and all that, you know. So you know, he's still. That's to, to remind you, there's still a bit of a bond between father and son. Yeah. And then we have a we cut to a <laughs> we cut to Hawk in jail, don't we? No, he's referred to as Hawks in this scene uh, by the prison warden. Yeah. Yeah. Hawks, Hawks, you got a visitor, and uh, <laughs> so he's no longer Lincoln Hawk, Lincoln Hawks. So what's going on with that? I have no idea. The slightly uh, creepy Tim Salinger, the uh, personal secretary of the grand of Granddad, comes in and offers him a deal to leave the state, and they won't prosecute. And he's, he's like, "Oh, what does what does Michael think about this?" And then Michael's basically had a bit of a change of heart, hasn't he? I think he's sort of seen the the carnage from the house and sort of said, "No, nah, I'm going to stay with Granddad now." Yeah, as a custody. Yeah, he's a loose cannon, isn't he? As, as we, you know, the viewer knew he was a loose cannon from day one, but like, <laughs> we've but seen it. We've seen what a terrible parent he is. We we know we've we've seen him in action, and um, it's taken this probably him driving through the front of a of a Grenada's mansion to uh, kind of bring it home to him. We don't get to see this, do we? But he he agrees to sign over custody, doesn't he, for his uh, for his son? But we know that's happened because it's mentioned later. But we don't get to see the signing over custody, which you think would yeah. be quite a big moment, wouldn't you? Might be a key scene, really. Yeah. yeah. And again, Rob, you were talking earlier about Stallone mumbling or whispering a lot of his dialogue, and I thought this scene had a lot of that, you know, with yeah. between Michael and um, and Hawking when he's in, he's in prison. It was more the world meets no one halfway, wasn't it? Whispery, whispery sly. Yeah, a couple of lines I couldn't quite tell what he was saying. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to tell what he's yeah. saying in some of the scenes. It's a, it's a criticism that's been levelled at a lot of um, BBC programmes at the moment, isn't it? People who are kind of mumbling there. We're from Manchester, of course, we naturally mumble. But yeah, lots of BBC programmes at the moment are being recorded with kind of either mumbled dialogue or like poor poor quality sound. And I wonder if Stallone, Stallone is, the, uh, is the kind of the, uh, the inventor of this... Uh, of this style it's in music as well because if you listen to a lot of modern music you know i sound like an old fuddy duddy but the literally the enunciation of like <laughs> words it's gone it's completely disappeared oh, right. yeah. they've yeah. just got the vowels the vowel sounds are all wrong aren't they um <laughs> i can't think of an example <laughs> who's the scottish singer who was uh, who's the scottish singer what is his name lewis is it lewis something oh, capaldi lewis capaldi, capaldi. Yeah, he, yeah he mangles his vowels doesn't he that lad he really does. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one. You're right. Oh god. Yeah. Anyway, um we we digress. <laughs> Hawk, he's out of prison, he's back in his truck, he's got shades on, so maybe he's been having a, a little cry. I won't blame him to be honest. And uh, we see him leaving the state, he's heading to Nevada, uh, Las Vegas. And he gets to the uh, basically has to sell his truck, doesn't he? Sells his truck for seventy grand. He gets seventy grand for his truck, 
because he spent he put seventy grand on himself to win the tournament, the arm wrestling tournament. And uh, he says, and he, he says, he asked the odds for himself. He says, "What's the odds on Hawk?" And he said twenty to one. He put seventy grand on, which I worked out in my uh, GCSE maths is uh, he'd come out of one point four million if he won. So obviously he's putting everything on the line. He wins it or nothing. So not quite the insider betting rules that we have today, is it really? Oh yeah. yeah. What, what's your name? Can I just take your name down for the betting purposes? Oh right. Okay. Lincoln Hawk. Okay. Yeah. I'm Hawk. The other guy's Hawks. It's fine. We're not related. It's just coincidence. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. He needs to check his betting slip as well because if he puts Hawk and Hawks wins, then he doesn't win anything. If you put Hawks and Hawk wins, he wins nothing again. So, and then the film totally changes, does it? The film becomes the um, the Apollo Creed type uh, montage rock video, rock song, rock song fight. Yeah, and it becomes it becomes round after round of armor. Thing. And I, I was texting you guys when I was watching it because I I'd literally had only watched about five minutes of arm wrestling, and then it suddenly was in the semi final. It was like shit. <laughs> And and the semi final's got about eight people in it, which is I found really confused. Everybody, everybody was like pretty high off something. Everybody seemed to be very sweaty, very animated. I swear at this point, it's dripping, isn't it? Yeah. There is literally steam coming off your TV at this point when you're watching it because there's yeah. so much sweat. It's horrible. And then we get the little cutscene to Michael. Uh, he's um, he's broke out of his grandfather's mansion. He's making the way he's, he's stolen a truck he's making the way to the airport smuggles himself on a plane i mean i know there was less security pre 9 11 but still i'm not so sure there's a little boy who's going to be able to sneak himself on a plane as well i was watching this with um with my with my wife i i said this to her and she came back with oh yeah but it's an internal flight in america isn't it and there's there's no kind of security checks for that so i think pre 9 11 yeah definitely there's the the that's true, but I think there was certain likes, especially with an internal flight. Anybody who says we don't do any research, <laughs> there you go. I wonder how he did. How did he buy a ticket though? How, how, how that's what I wondered later oh, on. I yeah. How he actually paid for a ticket? Oh, credit card, clearly. <laughs> yes, granddad's yeah. credit card. Yeah, yeah. Can, can we mention this actor who plays the boy, David Mendenhall? Now yeah. he um he got slated for this film, and I have to admit, all the crying scenes, he's a terrible crier, isn't it? And he cries a few times, and he he cries in a really like you know like a you know when you do fake crying just as a laugh going. Woo! Uh, I thought David cries uh, all the way. Wasn't it a bit cruel that he got two Razzies though. I think that was a little bit cruel to give a kid two Razzies for that performance. I think it's just totally out of order. Yeah. Because I, I didn't think he was that bad. He's he's a kid in an eighties film, you know, and he's I've, I've certainly seen I've seen similar performances to this. But actually, I think a lot of the blame for that's got to be levelled at Stallone and um, the other yeah. chap who did the rewrite, Sterling Silifant, who was a, a bit of a veteran of um, Hollywood TV writing and wrote for like big disaster films in the seventies. Their rewrite, they they give him terrible terrible dialogue, which I, I imagine was possibly better earlier on. But I mean, it's just it's so kind of obvious and kind of saccharine all his dialogue. He's kind of just quoting calories for heart for for most of the start of the film, isn't it? Just like the calories yeah. in chicken is you know one thousand calories or something. If you look at Stallone at the time, that's that's straight out that's straight from him, isn't it? There's no one else who's written that that line but him. Um, yeah. If you look at him from that that period when he was kind of like you know his Rambo physique, and he would have known all that kind of um, you know healthy eating, healthy living kind of uh, kind of stuff. They, they I, I, I'd laid the, laid the blame on him, so totally not fair. I don't think I thought he was okay actually, the boy, and um, 
I think, yeah, the, just the dialogue he's given is dreadful. And the things that his character is given to do are dreadful. Like this next scene we're going to talk about where you see Michael's character like escape from the house. He suddenly turns into like this slightly short, older stuntman who, uh, who kind of like <laughs> leaps off the, um, yeah. you know, who we only see from behind. And he, he kind of leaps yeah. out of the house like from a second floor of like that huge mansion. Goodness yeah. me, he'd have broken his legs, the poor thing. Yeah. Um, you know, so they give him all this, all this rubbish thing to do. If you believe in yourself, you can do anything, yeah. <laughs> it's the you can break your legs, yeah. Have you not listened to the film? Life doesn't meet you halfway. You've got to go out there and take it. Michael escapes because, lo and behold, he has found a secret stash, granddad's place, of all, all his dad's letters, unopened, oh. Kept for some reason. I don't know why they were kept. Can I mention the handwriting? Because I looked at the handwriting. The handwriting is really childish. Um, cause <laughs> <laughs> it looked like it had been written by, you know, one of those like chimps who can do with first pictures and sell for thousands. It was like a uh, pencil crane saying stuff like, I love you, Mikey boy, and all that stuff. I wonder if Stallone went all method, if he went all method here and thought, I'm, I'm going to write all the letters that we see in the, in the film. Maybe, maybe he did actually write them himself. I don't know why I picture Stallone as having poor, poor handwriting, but uh, perhaps it was perhaps it's generally his genuinely his yeah. writing which might explain that. It's very bubbly and uh, <laughs> the handwriting, but, uh, <laughs> but it really upsets Michael, doesn't it? And it spurs him to a uh, to do his uh, ninja. That's what escape. makes him uh, escape, isn't it? That's that's what triggers it. Yeah, it's what turns him into a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> so he so he yeah. So what does he do? He he escapes in a jeep, so he can he can drive a jeep. And on, on the way, almost causes another massive kind of traffic accident, uh, which he just yeah. avoids. But I think he dumps the truck at the front of the airport, and he just gets out, and the security guards guards just like, oh yeah, okay, you know, you can just dump it there, and you know. yeah, he gives, he gives him the keys. He gives him the keys, doesn't he? He's like, what? Yeah, yeah just gives him the keys. <laughs> that's what, that's that's L A for you, man. That's L A. So it, while this is going on, it's. Um... The tournament's got really exciting. We're in the semi-final, even though there's eight people. Has it? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a semi-final. And uh, he comes up against this uh, guy called Mad Dog, doesn't he? Is he Mad Dog? Is he 2020? He's uh, this, yeah, he's Mad Dog Madison. He eats a cigar. And, and this is where it's, we start getting these, um, you know, like a real boxing tournament or a real wrestling tournament. They have little uh, voices to camera, don't they, before the fights. We have little, yes. like... Um, you know, face the camera and they say a little, a little quote about why they're doing this uh, arm wrestling. They all have interesting things to say, except Hawk, who just says, I just want the truck. He's the most dull. <laughs> all the rest of them got really amazing. Yeah, that was the favourite bit for me was the interviews. I, I found them hilarious. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Bill Hurley, I drive trucks, break arms and arm wrestle. That's what I do best. I drive truck, break arms and arm wrestle. It's what I love to do. It's what I do best. <laughs> this is where it's really useful to employ wrestlers as your actors, as um, uh, arm wrestlers, because they've all got yeah. that kind of um, that kind of you know trash talk yeah. and spiel before matches, haven't they? They've got that down. They've all got things that they say. Yeah, WWF feel about it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Our hero Definitely. has is the dullest one, isn't it? Because our hero just says, "I just want the truck." And all the rest of them is like talk, going about breaking arms and, uh, you know, this is my dojo and <laughs> I rip arms off and things like that. And uh, Now, guys, we're, we're Manchester boys and um, I I think, you know, we're, we're pretty hip and switched on and, and cool um, sometimes uh, in, in our eyes. Um, what I thought was quite interesting here was that 
as as well as the men's arm wrestling event, there was there was a women's arm wrestling event as well, which he kind of just briefly yeah. mentions in passing. And I wonder oh, if yeah. I, I can't imagine there would have been a focus on this at all. But yeah, I just thought well, that's that's pretty cool. There's, there's also a women's tournament with all these kind of well built uh, strapping. Uh, I really liked. I really liked when they kept on cutting to the scorecard guilds. Uh, they had these these eighties uh, <laughs> buffy turned women, like who um, kept on changing the but a bit like the Karate Kid thing, where you know the the all yeah. Valley championship where they or, put the names or a bit like Rocky yeah. Four, which uh, was cut yeah. the previous year. It's very similar to. I thought I thought the whole arm wrestling end sequence was it was filmed like how they filmed the audience, how they kind of cut to the action. Not there was much action because arm wrestling is really boring. I thought the way they tried to recapture, I thought they tried to recapture that kind of Rocky Four kind of verve yeah. that it's got at the end of that film, and it just, you know, it just came up short because arm wrestling is, uh, you know, it's just but, a but really, were... really odd sport to kind of hang an entire film on. Yeah, you know, even even wrestling, wrestling would have been an interesting film to make. Boxing's interesting. Escape to Victory, you know, football can be interesting. It's just two arms, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. How interesting can that get? Yeah. Also, I mean, I think Stallone, though, is the only person who could have carried this character off because apparently, originally, they wanted Don Johnson. And that would have been... Can you imagine this film with Don Johnson? I probably would never have seen this film. It would have been a completely different film, wouldn't it? I don't think it would have had the uh, the extensive kind of rewrites that it, that it had to kind of accommodate Stallone. It would have been very different, but definitely yeah. more drama drama-like, yeah. as I think the original the original writer wanted it to be. Yeah, The arm wrestler is John Grizzly, uh, not um, Madison. He uh, eats the stogie as he's just about to do oh, yeah, the lit, the lit stogie. Yeah. He does. And then, and then um, we actually get to see our hero lose, don't we? We actually get to see... He gets yeah. pinned because he's lost, he's, he's lost a bit of confidence because he does that with his boy and all that. So he, he gets pinned down. But then the... Uh, the announcer reminds us all that in the semi-final, and it's really, it's really oh, protracted. This is it. Yeah, yeah. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, please remember this is a double elimination. Each of these semi-finalists have another chance. You have to lose twice to be out of the competition. See, the announcer, the announcer announces that don't worry, folks. Uh, you have two chances in the semi-final, and and then uh, so he's nobody's out, and then. Uh, and then he goes. To, he, he's hurt his arm, hasn't he? As well, so he wanders off, and he's got a sore arm. And he gets invited up to his uh, father-in-law's yeah. suite, doesn't he? I I did not understand this bit because Granddad, at the at this present moment in time, although Michael has escaped and he's mm. going to see you know Lincoln, Granddad at the moment has everything. He's got custody, uh, legal custody. Hawk is is out of his out of his uh, life, and. This next seems really strange. He kind of he comes. Granddad goes to him again. The father-in-law goes to him again and kind of says, "Okay, to make sure that you're out of my life again, I'm going to give you a truck." And what is the other thing? I can't remember. He said five hundred thousand dollars. Five hundred thousand dollars. One million dollars in modern money today. Yeah, so he, offers him, he offers him half a million, half a million, and a, a, the top of the range truck, better than the truck you'd win for winning the arm wrestling contest. Yeah. So my question to you, my fellow Manchester podcasters, would be why why does Grandad need to bribe him again? Because it seems to me quite a cynical way to kind of give give the character of Hawk the kind of the impetus to go and win the tournament. I said to you that I think he's a little bit scared of him, isn't he? I think after ramming through his house with a truck, I think he's he's just kind of it's not enough to say leave the state. I think he's this is a 
a payoff, isn't it? Uh, you know, take this money. I don't want to see you again. You know, it's right. just like danger. Yeah, I think because it has exactly the reverse effect, doesn't it? In terms of the the storyline, it actually gives yeah gives Hort the kind of the impetus now to go and win, and also to to reunite with his son, who's who's managed to get a plane by himself all over to Vegas. No, that's, not, that's not it. If you remember. It's basically a really crude way of showing that you know that Hawk puts his son, you know, has more morals than just accepting the money and running. What yeah. what gives him the impetus to win is that his son turns up and he's still feeling a bit of a loser, isn't he? He's still feeling yeah. a bit of a loser, and his son gives him exactly the same speech that he gave him back at the diner. At the That's right, he does. Yeah. And did you notice in this but, bit how all of a sudden nobody's in the nobody's in the arena apart from them two? <laughs> I don't know if you spotted it, but there, there's no one in there. If you look carefully in the backgrounds, like I know they're supposed to be under the under the kind of the seating, yeah. um, you know, the the race seating net platforms. Breakers, yeah. 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 Um, is that what they call break breakers? I learn something every day. Every day's a school day. Um, and yeah, if you look in the background, there's no one in. There's no one there apart from them two. So they got a nice, quiet little break when when they evacuated the. Uh, the auditorium. There must have been some kind of bomb scare or something like that. Yeah, the crowd is uh, the crowd is a real crowd, by the way. It's it's the genuine competitors and people who turn yeah. up the genuine arm tournament, arm wrestling tournament. So it's um, they are real reactions. They basically, you know, filmed. Apparently, they filmed um, the over the top scenes the day before, the day after. So they still, you know, they were all quite fresh. So it's like, I know. loved the bit where um, Hawk rejects the deal, and uh, I think the the henchman says, uh, "Mr. Cutler is done with. T- he's, he's done. He's done talking with you now." And he just uh, he kind of flicks Hawk away, and then Hawk just punch does a punch and push through the door. Yeah, yeah. I love that again. Again, this is, this is like a big red flag for me watching this film because it's like so. This is another kind of big action scene, isn't it? Where we've got someone going through plate glass. I wonder if I, I again. I think that was a late this scene because I don't understand why Granddad has to bribe him again. Um, yeah. You know, I I think this is another late addition to the uh, to the kind of film and the, and the script. Quite late in the film, we actually get the um, the idea of the baseball cap, isn't it? Because it's one of these uh, interviews to camera for the tournament. Hawk says yeah. that when he turns the cap, he flicks the switch, and like a machine, he becomes something else. He becomes something more. Uh, I always think you know if he had to do a you know go to a custody battle, um, and the judge, uh, the prosecutors would bring this up. So I understand, Mister Hawk, you consider yourself a machine with a switch on your head, <laughs> and then you can bring yeah. So that's when we finally find out why he turns his baseball cap back to film, which is like the uh, the big moment. And then we go back to the tournament again, don't we? And this time, um, Grizzly's drinking motor oil. Uh, but it doesn't work for the next bout with his bout with Hawk. Uh, but yeah. this time that doesn't work as well as the nicotine because uh, Hawk managed to, manages to win this one. So he should have stuck with yeah. the original idea. Doesn't Hawk win once? Hawk wins once, and he you know he lost the first one, and he gets through. He go winner. And I was in my head, I was working out. Well, that's one all, isn't it? So when but, they said uh, they have to lose twice, does that mean they lose twice against the same opponent, or they lose twice against no, different opponents? What opponent? happens is. That, they reckon it's supposed to go into like a loser's draw. So the ones that lose kind of fight each other and then you've kind of got to win everybody in the oh, loser's yeah. draw yeah. to make it to the sort of semifinals. Um, I 
Yeah. Oh, well, well, hello, Ellie. I, I totally missed that. Well, he's, he's got a really bad arm on it, and it keeps him, it keeps him cutting to that guy in the crowd with the blue T-shirt on who's advertising something, and he's really excited about the match. <laughs> and um, and we know he's in the final now with Bull, you know, with the big guy, and um, there's lots of interviews to come with now. He's fighting now for his, for his son's honour in, in more ways than one. He's, we know he's got a bad arm. Uh, we know there's problems. We know that basically he's, he's put every single penny on the line. There is a couple of other ones. There's, um, there's his arm wrestle with Madison, uh, which he wins. And there's the Bosco one where Bosco accuses him of cheating, doesn't he? Oh, you know, cheat, the black guy. Yeah, he cheat, yeah, he says, uh, he says, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. Yeah, he does a... It basically says go, and before they've even started, he like he flips his arm down straight away, doesn't he? And he gets through on yeah. that one. I wonder and if that's um, just like one of those little sneaky moves that the professionals know. You know, if uh, and if yeah. the other one's not quite ready, they can you know they can score a quick, easy win by doing by doing that. That's what I thought. Although he did, he did accuse him of cheating, didn't he? <laughs> so as soon as yeah, he sits, yeah. as soon as he sits down with Ball, they hold hands together, and Ball forces his hands into a. Hawk's face, doesn't it? So he's bust up his nose straight away. He's got blood. They have the wrestle the first um, the first bout, and he, and he pulls his arm away, doesn't he? Oh, now, that's slipped. a foul. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. like a foul in arm wrestling. You're apparently you're allowed four fouls, yeah. um, and then obviously punching someone would be another foul. So yeah, you're not going to get disqualified because of that. Yeah. But then that's and when it... you have to get the uh, strap on out, don't they? they have to strap. <laughs> <laughs> Is this after you've been polishing the hawk? Polishing the hawk and then get the strap on. Stallone's really sweaty, so he's quite lubricated. And uh, they get the strap on out. And they, put, they tie, the, <laughs> tie the strap on around the hands. And then we know this is the big one now. And this is where that new music comes in, doesn't it? It's like that intense horror music almost. Like, oh, you know, yeah. It's like... Yeah. Yeah, that's right, so, yeah. Like, I, I would say, considering, considering Moroder did the music for this... Um, if you listen to any of his other scores like Scarface or I, I think he did like American Gigolo, you know, his music is very clear throughout the film. It's like really, mm. you know, prominent. And I thought in this, he's just, he's just really just phoned it in. He's, you know, he's, he's not, uh, I don't think he spent a long time creating this kind of um, incidental music. Uh, they've obviously got him for yeah. the name. But um, we get to see, we get to see Stallone's constipated orgasm and death face in in five minutes don't we we get um, this there's, there's so many points where he's like practically lost he's like he's about a millimeter from the ground they've got so they've got the strap on and they're yeah. going back and forth and back and forth and oh isn't he he's like i want to give you a world of hurt little man and then we hear his, we hear the faint voice of michael in the background occasionally which is very karate kid ass, like, come on, Dad. And like, uh, there's no, I wanted someone to shout you going home in a body bag, which would be quite difficult for arm wrestling, wouldn't it? <laughs> but, it would. but, uh, but yeah, he does, he starts doing the over the top move, doesn't he? He starts loosening his fingers, which to me, uh, I don't know if you're about to lose, he starts loosening your grip. I'm sure you would, you would lose quicker, wouldn't you? But he loosens his grip, and we know what's coming, and the music starts intensifying. And of course, he goes over the top. And I think does Michael shout over the top, or somebody shouts over the top? Like it's like the whole the whole auditorium knows the name. I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. It, it should really have that if he doesn't have it. Thirty thousand people shout over the top. Uh, yeah, like at the end of Rocky Four, they should have gone over the top, over the top. 
one person that was shouting, bull, bull, bull. Oh, yeah, they were shouting, bull, shit, bull. Yeah, and, and when he, of course, he pulls it over the top and he slams bull down and then he goes, winner. And at that point, Kenny Loggins' music comes in again because uh, we've not heard it enough. We've only heard it about 20 times in the film. And uh, his boy runs up, and it's a very rocky Adrian scene, isn't it? He, uh, he embraces totally. his son, and he holds his son aloft like a trophy. He's more interested in that than the trophy. And we know that he's won 1.4 million in a top-of-the-range truck now. And So he can start his business that he was talking about. Granddad's sort of looking on, isn't he, with sort of tears in his eyes and yeah. slight tears. And he, he gives him almost a slight nod, doesn't he? Like a little, there's a little look of, okay, yeah. I've, I've lost here, you know. Resignation. Yeah, an acceptance that, you know, the son's happy. And, and yes, I mean, it's really weird because they do have a chat the following day. It cuts to the following day, doesn't it? And um, they've basically got no plans, have they? We know he's loaded now. He's got all that money in the truck. But the plans are, it sounds yeah. like the, the kid's not going back to school or anything. The kid's just going to go on the road with him and go to dodgy. Live a life of <laughs> beer and arm wrestling and oil. And sleep. And people really raping him and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Initiated by bull, uh, taking a bull by the horns. Yes, sleeping in laybys and being buggered by truckers, um, and that's the kid seems really happy about the future. <laughs> you know, for for some people, that's 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 a life. You know, and uh... and I'm very eighties. There's a really there's a sound emotional soundtrack playing isn't he as the trucks driving through these winding can we mention this as because well? at the time when i was texting i think kel said it, and it's true actually the the scenery in the film there's lots of beautiful shots in there it's, it's well filmed there's lots of there's lots of american scenery. yeah yeah and some beautiful he, shots he, of the truck driving in the kind of american um you know various american landscapes mm-hmm. um really quite nice i mean this film does have some redeeming features i think but there's there's just too much. It's just too much of it for me. It's just too much of a kind of a general mess to kind of it's, really uh, kind of grip you, like say Rocky does, or perhaps certain installments of Rambo uh, does. It, it it never kind of uh, grabs you that way. So, guys, before we decide anything about where we're going to consign this film, can we talk? Can we talk some numbers? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so so we know this is a canon film. Canon got Stallone in because they wanted they wanted to prove that they were the you know they were a big studio to everyone in Hollywood and so they got they got Stallone in so they would have seen the the box office takings from Stallone's last few films so if you look at Rambo 2 just 1985 budget for that was 44 million dollars and worldwide it took it took 300 million so I mean that's that's wow. that's a insane box office take for 1985 but in the same year rocky 4 did the same that that was made for like 30 31 million and worldwide it took 300 million also and canon's first outing with stallone cobra although that ran into production difficulties and was you know severely edited down from its original um original kind of length you know we've seen cobra haven't we guys it's um it's completely incoherent and I think we might have watched it one one time when we weren't coherent ourselves, and uh, that really didn't help my viewing experience of it at all. Anyway, that's uh, maybe a story so for another day. In a different dimension, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but anyway, Cobra, um, despite all its problems, twenty five million cost, and that made worldwide one hundred and sixty million. So that was that did well. So Canon for this mm. would have been thinking, right? We've got Stallone, we've got. 
the you know the well-known worldwide sport of arm wrestling. We're gonna we're gonna make a killing with this. But if you look at the numbers for this, you got we've got logins. You've got you've got orc polish. You've got strap-ons. Yeah. You've got the lot in this film, and um, so the, the budget for this same as Cobra, apparently twenty-five million. Now there aren't there are no figures that I could find for the international box office for this, but in the US and Canada, this film made. 16, one, six million. And that must have been, first of all, for Canon, it must have been a, a bit of a, a bit of a shock, but they, they would have been expecting a lot more than that. I would have thought a lot more. I mean, yeah. even if you, even if you add on say 10, 15 million for international, you know, it still made like $30 million against the budget of 25. And that they would have been expecting a lot more, you know, based on Stallone's um, kind of previous, yeah. previous three, certainly. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it had a pretty reasonable opening day, didn't it? But I think I think the world word got around pretty quick that it was a, a piece of crap, really. At the time. <laughs> word of mouth got around saying, "Hey, it's like it's like Rocky, but with a really boring sport attached, <laughs> and and relapses in character and things like that. Uh, you know, r- rather badly staged action scenes." Favorite arm wrestling movie, though, to be fair. Yeah, it is. it's my number one, number one, my number two, and number three as well. Yeah. <laughs> He's done some odd films still, hasn't he? Do you remember that one he did about country western singing called uh, Rhinestone? You know, he's at the height of his power at that point, and he made that film. It was like 1984. What's the one with Sharon Stone where there's a weird, clunky, muscular sex in the show, and and he he's a, like a, he plants bombs. He's a bomb expert. Oh, that's, that's a specialist. specialist. The specialist, specialist, yeah, with Sharon Stone. That's a stinker. That is a stinker. Oh, that's really bad. Yeah, I think Stallone goes two ways. He tends to do. I think this one probably falls in the middle, to be honest. But um, mostly, he tends he tends to make total stinkers or you know films that are not too bad, quite good. You know, like Cliffhanger. You know, that's a, that's a pretty good one from his nineties range and Demolition Man. So he's he's, he's got some good films. Behind. We won't mention Judge Dredd. <laughs> For various for various reasons, and of course, Rob Schneider is in uh, Judge Dredd as like the comedy sidekick, which uh, which I think kills its stone bed before it's got anywhere. Um, so yeah, that's that was that was the number. So for this film, I think it 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 did a it didn't do Canon any good whatsoever because this was a really bad year for Canon because they later in the year they released Superman Four, which was which tanked at the box office, and uh, Masters of the Universe, which was a big film for them, which also tanked or just made back what they they paid for it it's a terrible oh yeah i mean the the, the, yeah yeah i I mean i personally i like superman 4 because just because of nostalgia reasons christopher reeve but i mean it's you know it's basically an unfinished film they didn't they didn't even finish the special effects for it it's uh if you look at it it's really clunky and uh yeah yeah it's kind of embarrassing isn't there superman scene with a statue of liberty falling or something that's right yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's like green screen yeah yeah, no, it's really bad. It's really bad. Um, but it, you know, it, it, yeah, it could have been something had it had it been in the hands of a different production company. But Canon, you know, famous for kind of just penny pinching, uh, not paying the contracts. We were talking about this before, weren't we? Lee? And uh, yeah, eventually those those chickens came home to roost. So yeah, I mean, in, in terms of respective careers, I think so. It wasn't good for Canon, and I think for Stallone, he uh, it kind of set him on a bit of a downward trend for a little while because he ended up doing uh, I think next film for him was Rambo three and was, um, yeah. well that that made some money you know because it's Rambo but it, again it wasn't as successful as the um, as the second one and um, I think not long after that Stallone started trying some different films like Lock Up and um, Rocky Five Tango and Cash Rocky Five yeah. um, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot 
you know, I, I, I don't think he really found his, he didn't really find his kind of niche again until about, probably until about Cliffhanger, really, uh, which was about 1993. So this film was probably not, I mean, you know, Stallone's obviously loaded and carried on making films and was still yeah. popular. But in terms of their careers, it probably wasn't the best move uh, for either Cannon or, or Stallone, I don't think. But he did have uh, $12 million in the bank, so I suppose that... He did, well, well yeah. I mean, he probably thought, I'm getting paid, so even if no one sees it, then that's that's fine. Because I, like I said, I've got the money in the bank. What I, what I tried to do with this, with this film, though, before we do our morgue or survival, what I, what I, what I judged it on when I watched it again all these years later, did I, was I entertained? Am I smiling? And the answer to both was yes. I was still entertained. I was still grinning. I laughed unintentionally at a number of scenes. Um, I don't think it's meant to be a comedy, but I do. I do think it's hilarious in scenes. Yeah. If you'd done a super serious arm wrestling movie, where it would have just been no fun at all, would it? It would have just you, you couldn't do it, you know. So yeah, I can understand why they tried to make it o- over the top and and cheesy, but yeah. It's uh, it's, it's uh, for me. It's about the American dream, isn't it? It's about a guy, blue collar guy, pulling himself up by his own bootstraps. He's not accepting any handouts for anybody, and it's it's kind of the American dream, isn't it? It's two two Israeli guys trying to show Americans the the American dream. Yeah, I mean that was that was part of their um, that was part of their remit with most of their films, really. Um, certainly, they, they they certainly championed uh, America, and were never kind of um, critical of its politics or anything like that. Yeah, because the whole father-in-law, he's just, he's just like a faceless, he represents the faceless rich guy, doesn't he? Yeah, and, uh, corporate but, America really, doesn't he? You can tell, you know, the actor who plays him, you know, Robert Legier or whatever, that he's he's basically a working-class guy who's, come, who's done good. So, uh, he's That's true, that does come through his performance, doesn't it? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. If he did another story, a really interesting sequel would be that about the history, about you know, how that guy rose to the top with his... Uh, you know, got you know in his truck haulage company. How what happened to what you know Hawk when he was younger? Why why does he hate him so much? You know, it's like uh, a, a over the top prequel. Yeah. There's a lot of questions unanswered, isn't there? Really, we still we never find out, do we? What the original reason for his for him leaving was, right? Yeah, maybe sleeping in laybys with strap-ons and and polishing horns. <laughs> a fourteen-year-old boy. So what's it gonna be, boys? Does this one rot in the morgue? Or make it on the helicopter to freedom. So, so we, should we decide on? Should we decide if it goes in the morgue or if it escapes to freedom? Should we go round and then let's go round? Yes. Yeah. So who's going? Who's going first? I'll go because I think I've got a slightly different take on it than you two. So I'll, I, now, because I I love Canon. I love Canon. They've made terrible films and they made some okay films and they made a couple of great films. But I'm always interested in, to see the films that they released. I've seen a lot of them. I've not seen all of them. But I thought this film really needed, if they're going to turn it into an action film, they should have gone all out and turned it into like, a, you know, a, maybe not something like, something like Commando. You know, the, the action's too tame. And if that's what they were heading for, they should have gone like, you know, for 15, you know, UK 15 rates or maybe an 18. And... Um, I don't know if, how much of the original story they'd be able to keep, but they could have made it a bit more kind of raucous, you know, with the um, the arm wrestlers, a bit more violence uh, here and there. A bit limited by the PG rating, weren't they? A bit, you know? Oh, yeah, certainly, yeah. And I, I, I don't know, I just thought for a canon film, you know, who were specialists in, that was that was their bread and butter. They were kind of, you know, low-budget action films. They, they should have maybe 
I don't know if this, they could have salvaged this film, but I would have personally I would have preferred it to have been a bit more kind of raucous, you know, something like a long line of Roadhouse or something like that, where, yeah. you know, Sly's always getting into There should have been a few more arm wrestles along the way if they're going to kind of change it like that. I mean, generally, there are a couple of good things in, in Over the Top, but I think it, generally it's just a bit too inconsistent all over the place. And you can tell, you know, it's it's it was the work of four four different screenwriters, including Stallone. And it just seems very, very inconsistent. Looking at it now, I, I did see it back in the day on video, but looking back now, yeah. I just think, yeah, um, it, it's not a film that I don't, I, I don't think I'll be going back to. I might go back to the soundtrack, perhaps some of those, some of those songs I'll revisit. But uh, the Even film itself, I don't think I'll probably, I don't think I'll probably say. So for me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Rob, but over top's got to go under the 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 bottom and go to the morgue. <laughs> Wait, can I go next? Can I go next? Right, so I, I've got to say, you know, I, I, sometimes I, when, if we do stuff like this, you know, I, I, I'm saying to myself, watch it with an open mind. Don't watch it as, as that kid from the 80s. Don't go into the film as a fresh viewer and try not to let it overwhelm you. But it's impossible not to. This is a film I saw probably about three or four times when I was a kid. Once you get over the disappointment, he's not boxing, he's arm wrestling. It is it's still mildly enjoyable and it's quite entertaining compared to a lot of, you know, a lot of crap that's out there and it's got loads of flaws and mistakes, but I, I could see, you know, it's not the greatest and perhaps if it was on a rainy Sunday, I may or may not watch it. But for me, I, I want it to survive. I want it to get on that helicopter and get to freedom. I don't, I don't want it to die in the morgue. I don't want it to be uh, in there with Pader and uh, the fanatic. I want it to live. So. <laughs> That's true. I hadn't thought about it that way, actually. I mean, it's, it's a million miles above those two films. That doesn't take much, though, does it? But, no, certainly not. I, want, I, want, I can see Stallone regrets it. Many people who are involved in this film regret it and... But it does. The reason why it probably did so well on VHS is that it's got. It's very tongue in cheek. I, I don't think anyone's taking it too seriously, apart from Kenny Loggins. You know, his song. His song's very serious. He always brings his A game, doesn't he? The Loggins and his Loggins. Um, yeah, and the soundtrack is so big and bold. And Stallone complained at the time that it was just like a series of eighties music videos glued together. And some of the film does feel like that, but. Sometimes, if you just want to escape, and that's what it is, it's it's only ninety minutes long as well. It is yeah. like well, you can escape, and it is escapism, and it's silly. Uh, but yeah, I want it to live, so I'm going to say live. <laughs> so I think the deciding vote then has to go to you, Lee. What's uh, what's your take on over okay. the top? Well, my take, I found it entertaining. I found it, um, it is kind of probably the closest thing that's going to put you into the eighties. You, you can almost smell the bo coming out of the film, you know, the, the haircuts, the mullets. Um, so nostalgia was definitely um, something I got from this film. I think the soundtrack as well. I, I personally, I quite enjoyed the soundtrack. I was kind of laughing through yeah. bits of it, just how ultra cheesy some of it is. I thought the, the film looked great. The cinematography was fantastic. Grand Canyon and him driving driving through to, the, to uh, Las Vegas. And uh, there was a lot of questions left unanswered, which was frustrating. I probably would have cut out the the wife figure entirely and spent more time building up the character of Michael. And because you might as well just started with her; she's passed away. I don't know why we've still got her alive. Really, it doesn't really play much pop point in the film. Really. Um, <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, I didn't think the sun was too bad. Yeah, like I said before, I think he was he was okay. I think it was a bit cruel for him to get two Razzies. But ultimately, I think it is deserving of its 5.8 out of uh, 10 on IMDb. I would personally put um, Sly in a perpetual arm wrestling tournament in the morgue so he kind of get he gets to kind of stay in the morgue but he has a purpose you know he's <laughs> he's, he's kind of like a prison the morgue is kind of like the prison and he's kind of running the uh the arm wrestling game and perhaps his his, his father-in-law's running some drugs into the prison with his uh haulage company as well and perhaps he so, could be yeah, like yeah. always kind of constantly rewriting the script like on a daily basis because you know he wants to change something that could be his kind of purgatory in the in, in, in the morgue. Yeah. yeah, that sounds fair. He gets the hawk on the front of his coffin as well, and we show him respect, I think. <laughs> so eternal damnation of arm wrestling. Is that is what you've what you're giving him? <laughs> <laughs> That's nice though. That's better than zero. That's better than fade to black, isn't it? You know, if you get to arm wrestle every day, yeah, he loves it. That's not bad. I was just thinking this is our fifth, uh, our sixth film because we did a double special last time. But uh, so we've we've um, uh, we're about fifty fifty, aren't we? Like half in the morgue, half escaping at the moment. <laughs> just uh, yeah, and of course these these results these are anyone listening should should be you know really really clear that these results are not binding in any way. Um, they're just our opinion, and um, yeah. these these films are not going to disappear from the face of the earth. Unfortunately, perhaps in some cases, but uh, yeah. So Over the Top is kind of, you know, freely available on, um, I think you can get it on DVD. It's not, it might be available on Blu-ray in some some countries. And it's on, I think I saw it on Amazon Prime. Guys, I don't know, where, where, did, where did you guys see it? Amazon Prime is on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I, watched I, saw, it. I saw it there. And you can, you can, it's still available on VHS. And uh, <laughs> in all good video rentals. We've consigned Over the Tops, Hadley to the Mark. Um, but you know, I'd still—if you'd never seen the film—I would still give it a try. Yeah, sure. Drink a few beers, and if you want to know what the eighties was like, please watch that film or watch Karate Kid. Yeah. Just watch those two films, and you'll—you'll be there. Oil uh, <laughs> yourself up, have a few beers, do a bit of arm wrestling, get some brutes, splash some brutes on, put a headband yeah, on, and wear <laughs> wear ill-fitting jeans. Jeans were so badly fitted, weren't they? Especially the the wrestlers. Although although I kind of consigned it to the morgue, I, I enjoyed I did enjoy revisiting. I'm always curious to see, you know, canon films from the eighties and uh, especially this one because they, they always had a lot riding on this. And it's just interesting to see kind of, you know, where they where they seem to go wrong and they some of the misjudgments they made in making it. But yeah, I mean it's um it, it certainly it certainly has some interesting um interesting uh, points to it. So I'd certainly recommend seeing it. Visit us on uh, Twitter or Instagram just to put a request in if there's any film you really want us to talk about and we'll we'll give you a shout out and uh, have a think about it as well. We try to choose films that we find at least entertaining. So, <laughs> so if you've got any ideas, just put them our way. But we've probably got something in the back of our mind for the next one anyway. And just remember, the world meets nobody halfway. Good night and good luck. <laughs> Go out there and take Bye-bye. 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 The world meets nobody halfway. best for you. Always do that.